When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Rose Ed, and it's been a turbulent first week of 2022 as the wheels come off the Conte caravan for the first time. Things look increasingly sticky for the Toffees, while the Ralph, Ralph Ranyet revolution <laughs> rolls on, restricting Wolves, Wolves to a 1-0 win at Old Trafford. Meanwhile at Chelsea, imagine, oh, people are listening to this on the radio thinking, what has happened? Meanwhile at Chelsea, Romelu Lukaku delivers the most controversial scoop since that time I found a fingernail in my 99 down Kingston Skate Park in 2002. Um, I didn't have long to write that one, so give me a little bit of a break. Right, remember you can get in touch. It's at Rosehead Pod on Instagram and TikTok. You can also find us on Twitter, Rosehead Soccer, or on YouTube, or on Facebook as well. And hello if you're listening to us on Podcast Radio. We're on Podcast Radio, 6 p.m., or a Friday night, yeah. Or a Friday night, bringing that heat. And we're also there on a Saturday and a Sunday. And... If you want to like us and review us and give us five stars and stuff, apparently that helps with the algorithm. So the, the boffins only, The only me. option there that you gave is reviewers with the five stars. There's no other alternative, Joe. That little voice you can hear is Hannah East. You're right, Hannah. Hello. <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting you say that because I was fuming, wasn't I, in the week because I left you a voice note really <laughs> ranting yeah. because we'd had a few reviews and one person had given us a four star. And I was like, oh, I don't want them listening anyway. <laughs> I know you were absolutely raging when you said, oh, someone's given us a four star. I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, it was way better than what I expected. And you were like, well, if you're going to do a review, you know, why would you waste your time to put four stars? Why wouldn't you put five stars? You only review something if you don't like it or you love it. And I was just like, but that's good. We like it. I feel like it's really passive aggressive to like do fours it's like room for improvement it's like well i look forward to your little podcast then all right so give us a one or if i don't give us a one <laughs> i'm sorry and i am really appreciative of every review we were talking earlier about um off air about having low self-esteem i think that's just come to the fore now <laughs> you gave me a four star and it's just destroyed my whole world um, well that's like if an ex ex-partner said to you if you're like oh how how do you rate me as a partner and they said four out of five naturally you'd be like why not? Why was it not five? So I can understand where you're coming from, but I think for the purpose of a podcast, it's great. 
you would never have that conversation with a partner, would you? You and Andy yeah, don't do okay. performance reviews. <laughs> I'm talking get the spreadsheet out well in 2020 to 2021 let's review our performance <laughs> not like that though <laughs> well, who knows rudy's on a monday night five star, i'm just saying five star for me hun five star <laughs> good rudy's oh. this week andy get the excel up right <laughs> there you go lad uh, um hannah i've um i've got an apology to make okay what have you done well you know we've got a new sponsor yeah and i Really, I really ruined it for you last week where you were trying to read the advert and I yeah. mocked you and I butted in and then I had a go at your pronunciation of said sponsor. Is that because you were taking the mickey out of my Yorkshire accent as well? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Bah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually wrong about how you pronounce it and you were right. Okay. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate the apology. So I'm a big enough man to air a retraction. And okay. Well, you, you can read it then. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. You ready? Because I'm going to do high energy. We have partnered with Vair Clothing. <laughs> Vair. Why are you so nasal? Why is Vair it? Next, I was thinking, we got some Vair nice clothes for you. But <laughs> <laughs> 20% off. <laughs> right, um, do it properly, Joe. Come on, we're professionals. We have partnered with Vair Clothing, a cool clothing company where the idea is to create a wardrobe of essential pieces at affordable prices. And because you listen to Rosette, all you have to do is head to vairclothing.com. That's V-I-R clothing.com. And use the code JOE20, that's J-O-E-20, to receive 20% off your order and all the money raised goes towards the podcast. At there, they hope that every man from every background can find a piece of themselves in our collection. And the whole team come from a fashion, buying and design background. Their vision is to keep styles simple as they believe fashion should not be complicated or unaffordable. It should be easy and carefree. We're trying to look good for any occasion. Remember, just head to vairclothing.com, that's V-I-R, clothing.com, and use the code JOE20, that's J-O-E-20, to receive 20% off your order, and all the money raised goes towards the podcast. So when my five-year-old was in a nativity at school and the teacher was reading out the, the nativity story, that's, that's what you sounded like? It's really a, good, Joe. Well done. I went a bit like kind of late night infomercial at the end. I was <laughs> like, the code is Joe Twenty. That's J O E Twenty. Like Guaranteed. somebody's going to go on a fairground ride. <laughs> Guaranteed satisfaction or your money back. You won't get your money back. You will not get your money back. But you'll be satisfied, so you won't need it. Look, it's all, it's all fine. Um, you enjoyed, uh, you enjoyed a busy week of football this week, Hannah. It's um, good for United over Christmas, wasn't it? Really good. Yeah. Should we talk about something else? Well, I mean, I think the first thing to do... Oh, sorry, Mike's not here. Oh, God. <laughs> How long have we been filming? Bobby didn't even mention. I can't even see you're on a different platform. Six minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah, sorry. Um, Mike's not here. He um, he got his beard caught in a photocopier. And uh, <laughs> um, the it's like the St. John's ambulance are there and stuff. And it's like, it's a whole big thing. Just go on... Um, uh, go on BBC News, actually. There, and then he got uh, his, his winky caught in a vice. It's, it's been quite a dramatic week for the poor lad. Well, he got his beard caught in the photocopier, and then he got his little um, little, little Mike Stavrou caught in the paper tray, and it's just a whole thing. We, we're <laughs> hoping that he's going to be back by this time next week, and we hope he's we hope he's all right, don't we, Hannah? We do, yeah. Um, but it's time for things that make you go, oh, that that sounds like quite a traumatic week that you've had <laughs> things that make you go mm, no that me. was a sec that was a sexy sound 
Ooh. Yeah, you don't have to do it again. You don't have oh, to do it again, Joe. Yeah. Can I just say this? This isn't a regular feature every week. It is. We just. Five it's weeks not. In a row. It's not. I hate the fact that you do the running order because every time I look at it, things that make you go mmm, and then I just know that you're going to make these sex sounds, and it's just, it's just weird. But not what's sex. made you go? What's made you go mmm this week? Two things. I'm glad you asked, Hannah. Um, I would say um, Manuel Lanzini's uh, first goal. Um, mm-hmm. against Crystal Palace where it kind of the ball bobbled up and then he juggled it with his left foot and volleyed it in with his right foot loved it kind of was shaped. that with the rice uh, Declan Rice assist what's with the Declan Rice assist yeah it, you pick, I just like that bit why did you like, find that so funny because like the bit you've picked out it's just like I'd just like you to say for full context Joe there was a Declan <laughs> Rice assist <laughs> it's because I love Declan Rice <laughs> I quite like old Rice Krispie as well actually I think he's going to be an England captain one day he's lovely um, but that was a brilliant goal. And the other thing, yeah. though, without a doubt, is the um, Mateo Kovacic's goal against Liverpool. Oh, oh, don't mind if I do. He's kind of stepping back. If you haven't seen this, he's kind of like stepping backwards as the ball bounces out, headed away for a cor- from a corner. And he kind of catches it on the volley and it goes in off the post. There's nothing more satisfying than a ball going in off the woodwork, is there? Oh. That really made you go, mm, mm. did it? I was in the pub and it really, it really got me going. Yeah, <laughs> Loved it. Well, I actually, I don't think you'll agree with what's made me go, mm, but I'm going to have to say Phil Jones returning to Man United. Is it like 707 days or something insane that he's been out? 700 years since <laughs> Phil Jones. 7,000 years. Um, but I really, I used to love watching Phil Jones and Chris Smalling as a duo at the back. They're always like, have always been a red card waiting to happen, I think. But um, Phil Jones is just like a train. He just plows in. And um, I know he gave the ball away a couple of times, made a few mistakes, but I, I thought he, he played really, really well. Um, and I was really pleased to see him back. I think he's what we needed. Um, I think he was kind of <laughs> lagging back in the day in, in the United squad, like under Sir Alex Ferguson, and he was learning and, and developing. But I think he was our standout player in this current team um, at the weekend. But I, I, didn't, brilliant. I didn't watch the Wolves game. Did he have a good game? Yeah, he did have a good game. Like I say, he did make a few mistakes, um, lost a ball a couple of times, but he's he's just what we needed because, we, we, you know, we've had issues with sort of Maguire, Lindelof and Bailly out. Um, but Eric it was nice Bailly. To, oh, Eric yes. Bailly. Eric um, Bailly. But it was good, good to have him back in. Definitely good to have him back in. I think he was the best player in our squad. He's empirically not a good football player, though. Is he re- really? I, I think he is a good football player. I think he's made mistakes in the past. He's been heavily criticised. He's been plagued with injury throughout his career, hasn't he? He's always got problems and injuries and stuff. But I think, um, I just, I don't know, just under the current squad at the moment, he was just a standout player this week. And I was really pleased to have him back, particularly in our defence, where we're quite weak at the moment. Let's get into Manchester United, I would yeah. say, because United hosted Wolves, Low-scoring Wolves, as you were saying uh, off-air, Hannah, the w- w- one thing Wolves can't yeah. really do is score any goals. They managed to at Old Trafford. Um, but they can defend. <laughs> they can defend. Wolves won United nil. Wolves have won 28 points in the Premier League this season, despite scoring just 14 goals. Um, it's the joint most points the side has earned in a season in top-flight history, having scored fewer than 15 goals. Um, very disappointing result, Hannah. It was a disappointing result. And it, what was, uh, I don't know if you saw Luke Shaw's interview, where it's almost like 
he's kind of calling out a lot of players for their attitude and their performance and not stepping up to their role. Um, he didn't name names individually, but he made it very clear that there's problems within the team. And I know it's all like speculation within the media and people are going to love to jump on United and, and say, oh, this is going on, that's going on. But there is clearly an issue with with um, sort of attitude within the, the team, the players, We've got the new manager in. We've got such a rotation of managers over the last few years. Um if you don't, if you don't kind of have that respect for the manager, it's going to affect the dressing room. But there's obviously something else going on within the players. You can see it in their faces that they're just they don't look a happy team. And I read something yesterday, not necessarily from a, a reputable source, but apparently there's about eleven players that want to leave Man United. Um, but when you watch them on the pitch and and kind of watch the performances, there's just something drastically missing, um, which is really hard to watch <laughs> I think is, is this the same source that you get your Brendan Rogers news from because we're a bit quiet on that front isn't it no no listen it's going to happen I've told you 18 months it's going to happen um but yeah the the game against Wolves was um pretty shocking I think from a United's point of view and after what you said uh, about Wolves they've got a better defensive record than Chelsea um so Wolves have let in 14 goals in 19 games and United have let in 27 goals in 19 games which United, is yeah, that's pretty staggering. Manchester United also failed to score in four different Premier League home games this season already, more than they did in the whole of last season. I mean, you can't imagine a Manchester United team under Fer- a Manchester United team under Fergie not scoring at home would have been no. a news story in itself. Let alone four times already by Christmas, right? And you can't imagine a United team behaving the way that they've behaved under Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, players would be fighting to put that United shirt on. And it doesn't seem like the passion and the enthusiasm is there. And it's not to it's not to say that the players aren't very good. The players on paper are amazing, but there is just something missing um, with their attitude. And I said this last week on the podcast, most of those players would not be playing under Sir Alex Ferguson, the way that they're approaching matches. Um, and it's just, yeah, I know there's always a transition when you get a new manager in, but it's that uncertainty at the moment with Ralph, isn't it? It's like, we just need a permanent manager. Uh, and there was, you know, speculation that players had to Google who the, who Ralph was and what his credentials are. And, and you just, you kind of maybe overanalyze it a little bit, but it's just a frustrating time, I think, as a fan, um, to, to see this transition period not go as expected. You know, the excitement at the start of the season, like, oh, we've got, we signed Ronaldo and look at Fernandez and we've got amazing players, but they just, they're just not clicking together at the moment, unfortunately. But he was meant to be the guy to like steady the ship and kind of get top four while you wait for your next manager. And it's like, there doesn't seem to have been a huge amount um, of improvement so far under him. No. Do United fans feel hopeful under him? Um, I think now people are saying, oh, we should have signed Conte when we got the chance and, you know, we should have made that decision earlier. Um, I don't know. I just um, I just find it a bit frustrating. Um, but I think you just have to kind of ride this wave a little bit. And as a fan, that's what you do. You don't just go, oh, God, right, that's it. You know, they're, they're going to sink. It's just disappointing when your club has reached such an amazing level in the past and you've grown up watching this amazing football and all the players having, and I'm going to say that Gary Neville attitude, you know, that like you, you fight to get the, the shirt, you fight to win every single match and you, your performance has to be amazing. You commit your life to it. 
And then you watch him players where you, you don't believe that they have that same attitude and that same work ethos. And I think that's what's a bit frustrating for fans. Um, you mentioned Antonio Conte, of course. His uh, Spurs team were in action against Chelsea in the League Cup. Kai Havertz had to go off at half time. Speaking of things that make you go, hmm, things that make you go, <laughs> Oh, don't! That's worse than your sex noise. Don't do that one. Things about you go. Um, <laughs> I actually do. I actually do a bit of that in in my set in my stand up comedy, and um, when I talk about something, I make a sick noise. And once I did it, a woman in the front row looked at me and she's like, and I thought maybe I was doing it too much. You know, some people can just retch if you if they hear a sick sound. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she did. Or maybe she just didn't like my outfit or she just didn't like me. Me and my auntie do it. Like if there's like something we don't want to do or something or like <laughs> anything, it's like we'll look at each other like across a restaurant and they'll be like reading out the specials or whatever. And they'll be like, yep. And we've got the um, uh, lobster brisket with the blue cheese mousse. And me and my auntie literally look at each other and like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Extra sauce. <laughs> um, but... Kai Havertz twisted his finger, so had to yeah. go off. So, like, we don't really know, it's, but, like, twisted it, like, it got bandaged up, but, like, out of its socket. Oh, when, Yeah, that's pretty rancid, isn't it? Which um, finger? I think this one. Thank God it wasn't that one. I mean, because you cannot, you, I'm just saying, you cannot afford to lose the middle finger because that is, <laughs> reputations are won and lost on that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, is he okay now? Yeah, especially before this weekend, I couldn't afford a finger injury. <laughs> oh, Joe, you just snorted at your own joke. It wasn't even my joke, it was your own. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, but have you ever had any, like, injuries or weird injuries? Oh, do you know what? I'm going to jinx myself, aren't I? Um, but I haven't, I don't know if I should say it. I'm going to touch my head, touch wood. I haven't broken a bone or dislocated anything before. Really? Apart from when I was pregnant with my first little boy, I was presenting at the uh, at Wembley um, for the FA Cup, I think it was, was it a final? And I was um, basically Bradley. I've got quite a short, stumpy torso. And um, one of my ribs kind of uh, cracked because Bradley was, I was sat down so much. I had to leave uh, Wembley, get on the train and get straight over to a match at Leicester at the home ground. And I got there, I could hardly walk and I could hardly breathe. And I had to go to the um, the hospital and they had to kind of like crack my rib back into position. But I was on all fours and um, this doctor came in and told me to get on, on all fours. And I was so delirious and I didn't know what was happening that I didn't know if I was in labor or if I was in a nightclub. But this guy still needs to get on all fours. And I was just like... Why would you be on all fours in a nightclub? <laughs> Uh, back in, in the VIP with Faithless. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in Pasha. Um, but yeah, it was really, really bizarre experience. So that's that's what I've got. What have you got? I um well I, I've got kidney stones, right? And the first time I had this, oh. I was at the Oh no, it's not a sad story, it's funny. Um I was I was um I was at the BBC and like having a meeting at the BBC and I'd never been there before. And I woke up that day and I thought, oh, my side really hurts. And I was like 25 and I couldn't stand up straight. 
And like I'd gone quite grey and was like quite clammy and quite sweaty because it's ever so painful. But I got up there, got up the tube to Oxford Circus and whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm going to the BBC. It's fine. I'm sorry, it's fine. There's a bit of indigestion. <laughs> and I was at the BBC and I really remember it because we were in like, because they've got all these like swanky, like poncy breakout rooms. Just like, guys, pick a beanbag each and we'll brainstorm um, kind of thing. It's just like, well, where can I, where can I put my laptop? I need a desk. Um but like, they can got... I just flatten my kidney? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got? Have you also got a little hospital in here? Where I can just lie down and cry. But like, I was meeting all these like people and kind of like trying to pitch ideas to them and stuff. And there's like a like a big bean baggy room with like coffee machines and stuff. They got like a prosecco tap on Fridays and stuff. I think. But it's got really? this little staircase on it. And it's, I really remember it vividly. This guy was coming down the stairs called Jamie. He was like, "Oh, Joe, you need to meet Jamie." And I walked up the stairs and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Jamie. So, so nice to meet you. I got an idea of documentary about grime music. Gonna make us millions of pounds. Yes. Jamie, don't mind me. I was going to be just gently sick in the corner, but I must catch up with you later. <laughs> um, oh, it was, ex- it was extraordinary. And then, and then what happened? Like, did you tell Jamie your idea? Come on, I need to know the ins and outs of it. Jamie never commissioned my. Thanks a lot, Jamie. I nearly yeah. died to getting up those stairs. And then afterwards, so I, when I left that day, I called my mum. She was I think you need to go to the hospital. <laughs> like, sounds like your, like, appendix is going to burst or something. Yeah. I was like, I'm quite all right, mother. I'm just lying here in this bin. <laughs> like, um, Outside the BBC. Uh, don't mind me, mother. Pigeons are just gradually eating me. <laughs> like, um, but I went to the hospital and they were like, took me through and stuff and like scanned me and all this stuff. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you've got kidney stones. Um, but while I was there, I bumped into a guy uh, who was a personal trainer at my gym called Big Dave. So Big Dave, as you might guess from his name, I'd say Big Dave was six foot three, almost the same across. Wow. Um, he had tattoos on every visible part of his body, kind of like up to his neck or up to his chin there. Um, and he had about four gold teeth, right? Big, Big Dave was, because especially when I meet very masculine, tough men, I simper and fawn around them like a little ballet dancer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Big Dave, you must tell me more about gang crime. Um, so I knew protein Big, shakes. I knew Big Dave from the gym and I was obviously very, very much in awe slash scared of him. And Big Dave was there with like a few of his like fellow geezers, like all sitting there. They're all kind of in tracksuits, Big Dave and all his pals. So they'd obviously been up to no good because it was a Friday night. And I sort of limped past. I was like, Dave, how are you? And um, he was like, yeah, what's going on, man? And I was like, oh, it's all right. Just, um, just, yeah, just here, just getting this checked out. What are you doing here? And he was like, um, he was like, oh, my little brother got in beef with some guy. Guy ran him over. He's basically settled now, though. And I was like, oh, yes, I've just been at BBC and I'm afraid I've got kidney stones, Big Dave. <laughs> in the beanbag room having um, Prosecco. <laughs> but then Big Dave said to me, he was like, yeah, yeah, I had that when I was in jail. Do you know what? I've been shot and that hurt worse. So I was like, thank you very much, Big Dave. Yes, I'm just as tough as you. Um, <laughs> will I be seeing you at Spin on Monday? No? <laughs> right then. Um, oh, so, yeah, God. so that, that's, that's my awful, dream. Joe. Have you managed to sort your kidney stones out? Well, no, not do really. You just wee, do you wee kidney stones out? Uh, well, yes, you can. <laughs> so we're all visualising Joe Forrester having a wee now. No, so what happens is... Um, uh, is you get like a you can get like a sound waves that break them up and then they come out. Oh Either that or they get very big and they get stuck, and you then have to pass them. 
I've just got that, visions of you sat there with Spice Girls' greatest hits around your crotch area, trying to get the sound waves to break your kidney stones down. <laughs> so, no, it doesn't now, work like that. Now that's what I call a bladder infection 32. <laughs> <laughs> Awful. Oh, dear. <laughs> Awful. Awful. Um, but Spurs lost 2-0 to Chelsea. <laughs> um Spurs lost 2 to Chelsea um, in the first leg of the League Cup. Absolutely played off the park in, um, at Stamford Bridge in the first half. But you know, you know that I sort of have the same like sort of feelings towards uh, Antonio Conte. Hannah is like a cult leader. Yeah, yeah. So last night, I even put in our Rose Ed group, didn't I? I was like, I was like, oh yeah, pretty happy with that. Given the first half, only two nil down. Fancy us to turn it around. I'm yeah. like, he could. I'm pretty sure I could end up doing life in jail. If Conte got me to do something, I would just, if he wanted to like start a sex cult in the middle of the night, I would just join. And what is it about Conte that you like? His cold, dead eyes. (laughs) (laughs) His emotionless face. But it is, isn't it? You look at him and it's like when he's been interviewed, because obviously what he's Italian, so English is his second language. He's listening to the interviewer, but he's looking at him and the interviewer be saying something like, um, Antonio, and he's just staring at him. Just like, this isn't a good question. No one will ever see you again. <laughs> like, literally. I, I can see why he commands the respect of the dressing room because he's a yeah. he is an intimidating individual. Yeah. He he's got the he's got the crazy eyes. What the eyes that I said that you had when I first met you, Hannah, and you threw right back at me. And I um, said, yeah, so do you. <laughs> but what he was it, it was by far the worst moment under him so far. I think probably the thing to say is that Thomas Tuchel got his tactics absolutely right. And they just blitzed us in the first half. They came out and they pressed so high and they were so aggressive. And what Tuchel recognised, Tuchel, 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 yeah. What Tuchel recognised is that Spurs, while we've been massively improved under Conte, do have weak players defensively. And they got straight at Emerson Royale playing right wing back, Sanchez playing centre-back, particularly Jaffet Tenganga playing centre-back. And it just showed that like, while we can beat a lot of teams, when you come up against another very good team with a very good coach, yeah. then we are going to need defensive reinforcements because they just couldn't handle that level of, level of pressure and Tuchel absolutely um, recognised that. I mean, you've pronounced his names in three different ways in a sentence Tuchel. there, Joe, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. Tuchel, Tuchel, Mr. Tickle. Um, yeah, Mr. Tickle. Yeah, um, he, um, I think he got it absolutely right, but I'm going to the game next week, actually. Um yeah the game at White Hart Lane and Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, whatever. And it is, it's very much game on, I would say, because I don't think, I mean, Conte didn't let the second half play out like that. So I'd be very surprised if he let the second leg play out like that. And as a, as a team, what changes do you think you've seen since he's, he was appointed? To be honest, like the massive, massive thing for me is organisation. It's yeah. like just knowing all the time where to stand and it's kind of it is it's a it's a five two three but then those two wing backs become auxiliary midfielders so it turns into a three four three when we attack yeah but what's really interesting is the back three always and only move as a line and everybody slots back into position when they need to be and for example Pierre Emil Holberg if Reggion pushes on at left back he will then push in and fill that slot out there wide and it's just the level of organization is like because obviously you can see and I was at the Brentford game a few weeks ago and we were quite high up you can see it on the pitch yeah it's just like it is almost like 
he's moving chess pieces around. And I think football in lots of ways is very, very simple. It's kind of, here is the plan. Here is what you do in every situation and you drill it and drill it and drill it and you drill it. And then there's the other elements of you've got to make sure they work hard and you've got to get them fit. And then obviously that kind of X factor where they need to respect you and want to play for you. Yeah. And it's that adaptability, isn't it, of the manager to look at the performance of the first half and make the changes according to who you're playing Mm. or change your formation according to who you're playing. And sometimes, I mean, like with United, sometimes that's what I get a bit frustrated about. Um, But particularly with Spurs, you can see, like you've said, the organisation, but the changes, say, at half-time or movement um, is is definitely been a big difference this season. Well, what he did yesterday was he turned it into a 4-3-3 at half time. Yeah. And he's never he's never played four at the back for us thus far. Um and he pushed us a lot further up the pitch and we controlled the game a lot better. The second half was what it was. It was a nil-nil draw. It was pretty it was a very even half of football. But to react pardon me. <laughs> to react like that. To react. <laughs> My body's making all sorts of sounds, isn't it? Um blush, blush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but um kind of like, I think to react and not panic and go, cool, here's what I'm going to do. And it is like playing chess and go, right, he's doing this. So here's what I do here. And Tuchel's Tuchel's tactics didn't work. I'm now really overthinking it. Um, Just call him Mr. Tickle. Mr. Tickle's tactics. (laughs) Oh, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Jürgen, we had a very good game at the week. But yeah, like I think the level of organisation and also that kind of just total kind of, respect and the idea that they want to impress him yeah um i think that's really really important um Chelsea and they want play, to play they want the shirt on don't they well this is it well, they're very aware i think of inst- it, he's almost changed their mentalities some of them might have been looking for the exit before because they want somewhere to go yeah but i think now it's they're very aware that it gets the other way around they want to stay and play for conte but they could get the boot if he doesn't deem them to be good enough yeah. um which frankly a lot of them aren't um chelsea played liverpool at the weekend Mm-hmm. I thought it was the game of the season, just rough and tumble kind of end-to-end stuff, no real discernible defending, brilliant goals, um, little fights on the pitch, kind of yeah. everything you want to see. As a United fan, does it kind of give you hope, though, when they draw that you're still... Are you still even chasing the top four? Oh, I mean... <sighs> I don't even know what we're chasing at the moment. I think in my head, we just need to get the basic fundamentals of the team right. We need to get the attitude right. We just need to get the the players performing on the pitch. Um, and to be honest, it's not something I'm I'm kind of thinking about at this moment. You always want to chase the top four. Every team does, especially Man United. Um, but the Chelsea-Liverpool game was, I would say, one of the, the games of the season. With 55% possession for Chelsea, 45% for Liverpool. But Chelsea's intensity mm. was like immense, I thought. It was what I don't understand as well. The big transfer room at the end looks like it's happening. It'll be sorted in the next couple of weeks. Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, Bayern Munich and Juventus are all talking to Antonio Rudiger at the moment because he's out of contract in the summer. He's 28 years years old. 28 years? Is he running out of Irish there? 28 years old. He's not 32, he's 28. (laughs) I'm Antonio Rudiger. Lots of people think that I'm from Germany and they'd be wrong if they thought that because actually I'm from County Cork. Um, County Cork. Is that a place? I don't think it is. No, what is it? County, County Tyrone. Anyway, if you are listening in Ireland, I'm very sorry for what I just did. I'm yeah. actually half Irish, so well, it's okay. Great. You can, oh, yeah. like, say, you can do it. You can say. 
So you that's can what... pretend to be Ronan Keaton if you want to. It's okay, Joe. You'll say a best when you... Um, well, that's why, because a lot of people don't know I'm a quarter German, which is why I'm allowed to do my German accent just a little bit like this. Uh... So what's your her- what is your actual heritage? Half Indian, quarter... No, so half English, yeah, and proud. Half English, yeah. Proud, yeah. Yeah. Um, get them out. <laughs> but then also quarter German, quarter Indian. So come one, come all. Um, wow. I'm joking. I'm making a, a comment about uh, people being racist because you shouldn't be racist. I'm um, half Irish and half Scottish. So I'm not actually English oh, in the hello slightest. There. Hello yeah. there. So my dad's Irish and my mum's Scottish. Scottish. Um, and I'm from Yorkshire. You're ve- and you're very much from North Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I'm, yeah, I'm caught. My uh, Indian granddad married a German woman. My so my grandma, not just a random German woman. <laughs> Never but, met her. Yeah. Just married her. Yeah, just like right, I'm off. He wasn't from Scarborough. Um, but yeah, so they met. It's actually it's quite an interesting story. So they um, they met after the Second World War. So basically, he, I don't really know loads about what he did because he was, just, he was granddad to me and he passed away when I was like 21. So like, kind of, I didn't like, yeah, I didn't ask him too much stuff about that. But like, he came to the UK after the Second World War and kind of, um, as lots of people from the colonies and former colonies did, because basically Britain kind of said, come here, like, there's a great life for you here. We can help you. We, we want you to help us rebuild our fractured society and fractured country, which has been at war for six years and is obviously on its knees kind of thing. Um, And I think kind of he got here, as a lot of people did, and didn't understand why people were spitting at him in the street. Because he was like, I thought you wanted me to come here. (laughs) I'm guessing he was thinking, I was quite happy in India. It's lovely weather. And now now I'm here in South London, (laughs) down with rain. (laughs) It's full of yobs. Um, But he met my grandma who was, I think, 15 when the Second World War ended. And her younger brother was like 11 or 10 or 11. And at the end of the Second World War, um, because all the men were gone, they were out fighting on the Eastern Front or fighting on the Mediterranean Front or trying to stop the Allies kind of advancing across France and Belgium. They, to in order to defend Berlin, because the Red Army were approaching Berlin, in order to defend Berlin, they called up all the old men and young boys. So even though he was like 11 or 12 years old, he was called up, the family lived in Bremen, I think, he was called up to the defense of Berlin. So oh. had a rifle put in his hand at like 11 years old um, and was asked to essentially defend the fatherland um, as the... Soviet army was approaching um, in the kind of ruins of Berlin. And there's those amazing old videos of like Hitler with um, the young kids and the old men at the second world war. And he's like shaking hands and it's like a German press reel, like the Fuhrer greets the latest recruits as we push the red army back. And they're just standing in Berlin and it's just rubble. And it's like, it's, oh, and you can see his hand shaking and stuff. Cause he's already got Parkinson's and stuff by this point. So when he obviously like, Hitler shoots himself, the Red Army take Berlin, the country, the infrastructure of the country, everything they know and believe has collapsed because he's he was born under Nazi Germany. So he'd grown up there, his whole society had collapsed. And I know that he then, at that point, was just, it was the, the end of the world as they knew it. And he walked back to Bremen um, at the age of 11, like which is a couple of hundred miles. This like an 11-year-old boy just walked back to Bremen. Um, obviously realizing everything they'd been taught was a total lie, as did my grandma. So she left um, 
uh, she left Germany, came to the UK, met my granddad. They couldn't settle in Germany because obviously he was Indian, so deemed too racist. They couldn't settle in India because they didn't want him to marry a white woman, so they picked England. Wow. <laughs> there you go. Gosh. Welcome to the football comedy show, Rosette. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting, Joe. That is interesting. Thank you. <laughs> Hannah's review. That's interesting, Joe. Five stars. Five stars. Um, no, it's good. Yeah. I like I like that kind of thing. Um, but there you go. Uh, Leeds finally got a win. Marcello Bielsa. Why can't I say anything today? Um, it's because Mike's not here, keeping us on the straight and narrow. Um, Marcello Bielsa. Yep. Marcello Bielsa um, looked pretty chuffed. Uh, Leeds three. Burnley won. Burnley in 19th. Hannah, they're 19th. I know. And um, and our, our baby's got COVID, hasn't he? Sean Dyche. So he's going to miss. I mean, they've had a few injuries, haven't they? Um, and yeah, I, I don't. Th- I don't think they're. That I'm worried about them being relegated. I think um, Sean Dyche is just not going to let that happen. I don't believe Sean Dyche will let that happen. What are we going to do about the show if Sean Dyche is not in the Premier League anymore? I'll be really sad because I, I genuinely have a love for Sean Dyche. He's provided us with a huge amount of material as well. I mean, he has. He has. But yeah, who they play next? Leicester, I think, aren't they? Yeah. and so all, this weekend. I would also really just yet. like to say, get well soon, Sean, as well. Yeah, get well soon. Get well soon. Um, Jonathan, who's an Everton fan, has been in touch. Um, he's got quite, he's, he sent us quite sort of a fulsome set of messages about time at Everton. Um, I think spirits are very low at the moment. Um, on the blue side of Stanley Park. Jonathan says, I think Everton are in real trouble. The Brighton game through to February is the most important part of our season as it's an okay run of fixtures and we need those points on the board. The problem is we're so terribly inconsistent both on and off the pitch. I can't remember a time we've played consistent 90 minutes over the past few years. Defending is woeful. Fans are toxic. Board is the living embodiment of jobs for the boys. And I've not heard a line from literally anyone on how to fix any of these issues. So that does sound like a pretty, that's one of those times when you, I think as a football fan, when you just feel like your football club is being horribly mismanaged and like, if you're an Everton fan or you're a Spurs fan, all you really want is to see a bit of good football, have a good trophy run, have a good crack at the top four. That's what you really want. Obviously you'd love more, but it's probably not going to happen. So just to see it mismanaged and the fans turning against other elements of the fans and stuff, it's pretty miserable, isn't it? Do you kind of identify with any of that as a United fan? Yeah, I think so. I think for for Everton, I mean, they've got Calvert-Lewin back, haven't they? He missed a penalty though. Yeah, but they've got him back and they've had a 17-day break. But the problem they're going to have is the fixture congestion which isn't ideal for any team with like the COVID outbreaks, et cetera. Liverpool training ground has been closed because of the COVID outbreaks and stuff. It's not ideal. The congestion is an issue and will be an issue and, and have caused huge problems for, for points on the, the table. But yeah, I can definitely relate to that, that lull, that feeling as a, a fan that you feel irritated and frustrated when you don't believe in the management and the team. It's not very nice. I know, and I just think some elements of the fan base are calling for Rafa's head. I don't think he's the problem at no, all. It's a bit soon, isn't it, really, I think, to be? Well, it's a squad assembled by like five different managers and it looks like it. It looks like it's a, yeah. it's just a massive hodgepodge and he's a good manager. I wonder if he's kind of um, didn't realise quite what a tough job he has. Um, also, African Cup of Nations starts this weekend 
which effectively is going to scupper Liverpool. Sadio Mane, Massively. Mo yeah. Salah, gone to the African Cup of Nations. Um, Could it's a bit miss of a godsend. seven games. For, well, it's a bit of a godsend Liverpool. for the rest of us chasing the top four, isn't it? Cause it's like, oh, well, the best player in the Premier League by a mile and then the next best player at Liverpool, just gone for a month. Yeah, just gone. Seven matches. I've got a friend that's a, a Liverpool fan and I just said, we were having a conversation. I said, oh, you know, how do you think things are going to fare out for you this season? And he was like... I just it's just not going to happen for us you know we're losing two of our best players at a crucial time in the season it's we're just we're going to go downhill and that's yeah. all he said sorry someone's at my door just ignore it um, oh, what, what do you think it is Amazon parcel 100% yeah my husband mm. will be buying some 100% <laughs> um, but yeah I think it's going to really hurt Liverpool let's talk about um, Romelu Lukaku yeah oh dear I mean, he did something a bit silly. If you don't know what happened, uh, about three weeks ago, Romelu Lukaku gave an interview to Sky Italia. Um, he essentially said, I'm unhappy um, at Chelsea. I'm not massively happy with the tactics. Also not hugely happy that I've not been playing. Yeah. And he said um, that he loves Inter Milan and he would like to go back to Italy one day. That kind of last bit, understandable. He won the Scudetto there. Um, I think that's kind of, that's pretty kind of standard stuff. I know that you felt quite strongly that it was idiotic to give the interview in the first place, wasn't it? Yeah, I think I've got, I've got two perspectives on this and I'm not sitting on the fence. Oh, can I have both? Yeah. Just, I'll say both. Yeah, I'll say both. No, I think it was a silly thing for him to do, but I really believe it's come from quite a vulnerable place. Now him coming back to Chelsea, him coming back to the Premier League, there was a lot of expectation on him. And I don't feel, I think his expectation was that the team would play around him and mm. it would it would mould around him. And that hasn't happened. He hasn't been put on the pedestal that I think he was maybe promised um, at Chelsea. And there's, a, you know, high hopes for Chelsea this season. I mean, they, they, at the start of the season, we were like, wow, they are unbelievable. And part of that was Lukaku. Now, he's had injuries or he's had a, a couple of injuries, been out injured. Even when he's been fit, he's been on the bench as well. And I don't think that's helped for his confidence. And I don't think that I don't think the fans necessarily believe in him as much as he was expecting. So I think maybe part of the interview, because he did say he felt like he was in a hole when he was at Manchester United, and I, I, I totally agree with that. It just, the team and him, it just didn't click. It didn't work. He's a much better um, player now, isn't he? Yeah, he is a much better. He's got so much potential. He's an unbelievable player. When he's on form, he's amazing. Um, and he's great. He's a great player to watch as well. And I think part of that interview, he shouldn't have said what he said. And it was silly and kind of that, that um, his, his management shouldn't have allowed that to happen. But I think in the other part of it, it was quite a, an honest interview. And you don't see that from, from footballers these days. Like, again, I go back to Luke Shaw from the other night, his interview it was quite honest mm. and you can relate to it. I think Lukaku said something and the fans, Chelsea fans would die for Chelsea. Like a, a lot of football fans, you know, would die for their club. And I think for a player to say something that was quite critical wasn't a good move for him, but I think it's maybe come from a vulnerable place where maybe he feels he's not not given enough to Chelsea and he's not played enough, and maybe the manager kind of doesn't believe in him as much as he was expecting, and maybe that's why the the comments kind of came, maybe came out the wrong way, or he, he didn't have as much intent to offend people as much because I think that was coming from a vulnerable place. I, I actually completely agree with you, and I kind of think like it, it's this thing of. I get. I never really watch post-match interviews because I just think there's no point because it's all just these kind of 
facile platitudes that, oh, we were terrific and, oh, yeah, we pushed up on them and, oh, yeah, after the second goal, we did this and the gaffer said, I don't care, I don't care. Like, you know what I mean? But it's like, for someone to go like, look, but he didn't, he he maybe phrased it a little bit wrong. Um, But there is potentially an element of, obviously he doesn't speak English as a first language and presumably the interview was given in Italian too. So that's not his first language. There might be a little bit of something lost in translation because I guess what he's trying to say is, um, because I know people have interviewed him and apparently he's quite a nice, gentle man. And I think, yeah, like you say, he's probably trying to say like, look, I want to play all the time and I'm disappointed not to be playing. And I don't think the tactics massively suit me as a player. Yeah. Really, there's not a lot wrong with saying that, apart from the fact, I suppose, that when you think it's a job, it's like you wouldn't kind of say at work, like, I don't know, I don't... You wouldn't... I mean, Hannah, you wouldn't say on a rival podcast, I don't like some of the the items that Joe puts in the running order, e.g. things that make you go... Well, I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right though. It's it's knowing your audience, and it was like it was like a. Oh. It, it seemed as if he was inexperienced, oh. and he's not. I just don't think, like you say, it probably was in Italian. And um, yeah, hey, I don't like it at the Chelsea. <laughs> Thomas Tuchel, he's not playing me. Why are you gonna talk about it? You want a pizza pie? It's gonna be very nice. <laughs> <laughs> You get so excited when you do that stuff. I love it. Um, yeah, it's, um, I, I just I felt a bit sorry for him, actually, because um, I just thought, oh, you know that the, he's going to get hounded by the media for saying that. And I don't know. I don't have many friends that are Chelsea fans, so I don't know what their take on it is. I, I don't have um, many friends. Oh. I just don't generally have any friends at all. <laughs> try really um, hard. <laughs> I ring people they just uh, I don't answer uh, but I don't I don't know what the Chelsea fans are, are thinking after his apology because sometimes the apologies almost make it worse than the actual statement in itself don't they and what are you saying he's been fined 400 grand 400 big ones it's either well we've seen this across between 325,000 to 450,000 depending on what, what paper you read but he has been fined um by the club um is what we've uh, we've read so they're obviously pretty peed off at the comments what should, I mean, we'll call it 365, split the difference. Yeah, yeah? we we'll just split the difference. I mean, what is it? A weekly wage? Christ. Yeah, something you know. like that. Um, <sighs> looks like Donny van der Beek might be leaving Manchester United. Um, he's, it's not really worked for him at all there, has it? Came with a no. big reputation. Yeah, it's it's a shame. Um, it's a shame for, for players to come. It's a similar situation as we've just been discussing about Lukaku. You've got players that have got a lot of... Um, potential in certain areas and you think oh that could just fill fill the 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 hole that we've got there and sometimes it just doesn't work um I can't believe I've just said that on the <laughs> podcast I can't believe I just said that to Joe Forrest at TV about filling a hole let's move on let's move on just cut that bit out I can't believe I said it um and Kieran Trippier looks like he's gone to Newcastle as well the Burnley Beckham a weird pet he's gone on a new a private jet to Newcastle in that oh, tell you what if Newcastle you know, uh, could potentially really turn things around, couldn't they? They're going to, I know they've got money now. They're going to start like signing very good players and they're going to be on fire three seasons, four seasons time. You just need to watch yeah, out for them. They got a lovely <laughs> and now they're going <laughs> to... I didn't want to say that, but I knew you would, so... Yay, our football team's loads better. What about all like the... Uh... 
don't worry about that. We've got Kieran Trippier. Yay. Um, <laughs> We've got four goals at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the Burnley Beckham. I always liked Kieran Trippier, to be fair. Um, yeah. Good player. Very V good delivery from set pieces. Massive upgrade on anybody they've got defensively at the moment. Just to there. anyone that's not a chav, V good means very good. <laughs> Just, I'm a busy man, Hannah. I don't have time to say the full <laughs> word. Um, there's something I wanted to ask you about, right, on TikTok this week. Have God, you seen this, right? Life hacks. Okay. No. So a woman put a life hack on TikTok. I feel like this is just the sort of thing you'll have because I was thinking about when you wrapped Clingfield around yourself. Yeah. So on TikTok, uh, a lady called Saudiana, Saudi, probably Saudiana, she's probably Anna from Saudi Arabia. Saudiana. Hmm. Like, it's not like, that's not one <laughs> word, is it? Saudiana. Um, put a video up of her ironing on aluminium foil. So tin foil, right? Yeah. And apparently, because the foil conducts the heat, it means like it takes like a quarter of the time to iron it. It just gets the creases out straight away. Okay. I, I can see in your face. This is going to get yeah, tried, isn't just... it? No, but I'm just wondering where you're going with it. Well, I was going to say, do you like, because you do weird things, do you have like any little tips or like life hacks or anything like that that like you do to save, your, say, save yourself time? Well, yes. If you the bed, you put bicarbonate of soda on it and it absorbs the wee. Oh, Not me, I mean, I mean my kids. Your when children. They were... Andy, yeah. So uh, a few nights ago, my little boy was like, mummy, mummy. And I was like, for God's sake, went into his room at like three in the morning. He was like, I wet myself. And I was like, no, you didn't. Like, it's just a bit sweaty. He was just sweaty. And then half an hour later, (laughs) it was just a bit hot. He hadn't actually weed. It wasn't like wet or anything. And then half an hour later, he'd like, he fully committed to the weed and just, he just weed everywhere so if you get bicarbonate of soda strip the bed put bicarb on it leave it for about four or five hours it just turns into loads of little crystals and then it absorbs away and there's no smell wow what is bicarbonate of soda is it toothpaste you use it for baking it's like a baking uh, (laughs) you see my face i was like (laughs) you know when you bake a cake Um, but that's that's probably the only hack i've got Um, because i've got stains in my puff um and excuse me (laughs) so my puff my footstool. So my mum's Scottish, as I've said, and my mum for my whole life has called it a poofy. So I've a, thought, so you call it a puff. It's a puff, right? isn't it? Yeah, but my mum is Scottish. They call them a poofy. So when I wanted to buy a puff, I went to the shop and I was like, have you got any poofies? And my husband was like, why? Is it, why? It's just a puff. And I was like, a poofy. He's like, why? I don't understand why you've been so, why are you saying it like that? And I was like, because it's called a pufe. And then I realised I'm just saying it as my mum would in Scotland. Like she would say, excuse me, can I have some turkey on your bone, please? <laughs> and I'm like, translate into the person at the butcher's like, she just wants some turkey on the bone. But did you go in and go, if I were a pufe, where would I be in this shop? <laughs> Ooh, would it be aisle two or aisle three? Come on. Come on, I'll chase you. you no, know, I actually, I feel really bad because I say that in jest because when I worked in a freezer shop, people used to say that to me. So I thought that was a thing that people do to people that work in shops. So that's how I spark conversation with people that work in supermarkets. I'll ask them these questions and say, you know, if you were a marshmallow, where would you be? What aisle? And then I'll have a chat with them and be really nice. But then I think last week when I said it, you and Mike were like, you sound like a no, that's just what deranged people who, who shop at the freezer store in Scarborough do. It's not a normal thing. So this is, if like, check out TikTok and Instagram, right? Because Hannah basically said when she goes into the supermarket, she'll go up to them and be like, now, if I were some Walker's sensations. No, I don't, I don't whisper it in their ear like I'm about to kill them. No, no, no. Like you're a little fairy. You're like, shh, 
don't tell your manager. But if I was a Mars bar, where would I be in this shop? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, um, down there. <laughs> just, just there. Like, <laughs> yeah, but then they'll say, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, You're of course right? they will. You're right. Someone looking for you. <laughs> and then I just have a chat with them because yeah. I don't get out much. You've got your name and your telephone number pinned on your duffel coat in case Andy loses yeah. you. Come on, Hannah, let's get you back. <laughs> and he pulls me on the reins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no, so you so see, iron with aluminium foil. I want some. Yeah. I'm not very good at like kind of, I, try, I, I, like, to keep, I like to keep my flat clean. Yeah. Forensically yeah. clean. <laughs> um just in case the law comes through the door any moment. you never. I don't want them to have anything on me. But I once tried to make compost and um, I didn't know, but I was just like, I sort of, I, I kind of Googled it and then just like read like the top lines, oh, how hard can it be? So I got like a little bin from Robert Dias. Robert Dias, not the news from the made. Show. You wanted to make compost in your flat. Yeah. Because, right, so here's what happens, Anna. I don't really know what compost is, but I knew that it was, and I've got like two plants so I was, was going like, to say, oh, do you know what it's for? It's made, but it's made out of manure, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. So you wanted to make compost for two plants in your flat. So what I was doing is I was like putting like eggshells, coffee grounds, banana skins, all in this little bucket. And it was like two weeks. It was really starting to smell. So I just put on Instagram, like, when does it turn into compost? <laughs> and someone was like, what do you mean turn into compost? It doesn't turn, it just rots. So I don't, how do you make compost? Well, it's, it, you're giving nutrients so people would get like the remnants, like uh, vegetables and uh, trimmings off um, vegetables and fruit and stuff. And then it adds the nutrients to the soil to help your plants grow more effectively. But, but, but what's a compost heap then? Do I just put it into the plant pot? I don't. I don't think you need to make compost for two plants. I think it's maybe if you have, if you are growing vegetables at the bottom of the garden in a vegetable patch, that kind of thing. Um, or like if you had an allotment and you get manure because you've got nutrients in manure. the poo. Manure. <laughs> what? Manure. You say it. Manure. <laughs> that doesn't even sound like manure. You're not even <laughs> saying it properly. Because there's a hidden W in manure, by the way. Did you know that? But I got into an argument once with a lady on Southfield's tube station um, because I was walking along eating a banana, as you do, because why not? And How were you eating it, though? I can only imagine. Oh, just in hate. It's another one. God, spit the skin out. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so I was eating it. And then I was about to get like, I was actually like standing there waiting for the tube. And they've got these little like plants and like plant pots and stuff on Southwest tube station. So I looked down oh and I had some banana skin. banana skin. And I was like, oh, I know that this is really good for like the earth. And it's full of all the nutrients, as you say, and it'll decompose and help the plant grow. So I went and sort of put it at the root of the plant. <laughs> And sort of stood there and watched it. Like, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting to happen. And this woman came up to me and went, don't litter. And I was like, no, 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 I agree. I don't litter. But I'm putting that there on purpose because it's biodegradable. So it will help the plant grow. And she was like, no, it's just littering. It's throwing rubbish away. So I was trying to explain to her about kind of the nature of entropy and it uh, being biodegradable and breaking down and stuff. And she just said I was littering. But then I just got on the tube. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't litter. I'm very against it. I pick rubbish up in the street. But I, was, I thought I was helping the plant. And was I not? I don't, I don't, it takes a while for a banana to, um, to like dissolve, um, dissolve, dissolve, biodegradable. Um, do you know one thing I'll never do? Never, ever put a banana in my packed lunchbox, <laughs> hey! in my bait, in my bait box. <laughs> Not like that. That's the second time. 
Have you got two kids then? <laughs> oh, I'm turning that into a ringtone. That's, that's the second time I actually go red. <laughs> so what I mean is, I hate eating bananas in front of people. In front of people. Because it's like, as a female, you can't peel a banana and eat it without it look like you're doing something rude. So but I really always get... Because you're biting it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In front of people. So I don't know if it was a thing at my school, but like I would just break a bit of banana off and kind of eat it and then hide the banana away so nobody could see that you're eating a banana because it just looks like you're being sexual all the time eating a banana. Hannah, it's 2021. No, it's 2022. <laughs> Do not be ashamed of your banana anymore. Okay, come I'm out. just not going to put a banana in a pot lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that is probably quite a good place to leave it. One thing I would like to say, though, is congratulations yeah. to your dad, Hannah. Thank you. Yeah, so my dad um, officially on the 1st of January is uh, being awarded an MBE by the Queen, Queen Lizzie. Bumble. He's already happened. Um, obviously. <laughs> hey? He's already got it, hasn't he? No, so we get it was in the London Gazette on the 1st of January and then he'll go in April, I think, to get the award. And then in the summer, we'll all be able to go to the Queen's Garden Party with my dad and have a scone with Queen Lizzie. What do we wear? Sorry? What do we wear? <laughs> You're not coming. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, but seriously, what do I wear? Because I was going to yeah. wear like a Borat mankini. <laughs> I don't think Lizzie would like that. But apparently because my dad's got an MBE, if ever I was to get married or have another child that would needs to be christened, you can get them christened um, at, uh, at the church, Windsor Castle. Can you? Yeah. It's well good having an MBE. I mean, to be fair, he's done amazing things for society. So it's not just like, oh, well, he's well lucky having an MBE. <laughs> yeah, like what's the perks in that for me? Um, but yeah, he's he's got his MBE because uh, my mom, my parents have fostered for like 11 years and they've fostered like teenage lads that have been in prison, had tags on. My dad does a lot of voluntary work um, <clears throat> with uh, homeless people, gives them coffees, teas, food parcels. And he also has got a, an initiative uh, for skills for work, which is getting young lads again that have tags and stuff on into uh into work so he takes them to work assists them in the workplace and stuff so he's actually in a really really amazing person um more smutty than i am one of the funniest people i've ever met um but yeah it's definitely well deserved for my dad well deserved mr creelman and just yeah. a shame that kindness didn't filter down the generations <laughs> uh, <laughs> um no congratulations mr creelman um right it's probably quite a good place to uh to leave it don't forget you can get in touch rosehead pod on Instagram and TikTok and Rosehead Soccer on Twitter. We're also on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch now and stuff and loads of places. What's Twitch? Oh, God, we don't have time for that. It's like, oh, a, right, sorry. Stream- <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it's like a streaming. I don't know, Hannah. It's just another place to put the stuff Just out, give it? us a five-star review. That's all we need. Please, please, all right? Please, please, um, not a four, a five. If you are listening on podcast radio, you can hear the show repeated on Saturdays and Sundays and catch us every Friday night at 6pm. Um, yeah, give us a like and review if you're into that kind of thing. Um, Hannah, thank you very much. Thanks, Joe. And we will see you next time. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) 
No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.